And that really resonated with my soul mm. to lean into the pain on purpose. And like I mentioned, being tethered, I felt God's connection and his love, not in a, it just in a very real way. Like I mentioned, not religious, made nice, patty cake, you know, <laughs> sure. slap, slap a happy verse yeah. here and there. No, real. Yes. I really felt him holding me mm. and allowing me to lean into my pain. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Praxis Podcast. Praxis is the college-age community of Three Crosses Church in Castro Valley, California, and this podcast exists for the purpose of engaging in conversations that help young people flourish in life and faith. I am your host, Max Critchfield, the pastor of the college-age community at Three Crosses, and we're so glad that you're here. Well, in this first season of the Praxis podcast, we've been talking about mental health and kind of from a faith perspective. And so far this season, we've touched on a number of significant topics like stress, anxiety, uh, depression. And today we're going to be touching on the subject of grief. And we're actually joined by a guest today who is new to the Praxis podcast, and that is Mike Burke. So Mike, say hello. Yeah. Hi, Max. And (laughs) hi, everybody. Mike is someone that I had the chance to meet and interact with uh, a number of years ago, and the story of our meeting and connection is is really entwined with uh, our topic today. So we're going to save some of that perhaps for a little bit later. But uh, Mike, why don't you just give us a brief flyover of of who you are, kind of the resume hits a little bit, and uh, and and where you are now? Okay. Well, uh, well, I'm 74 years old. And I, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't believe I'm approaching three quarters of a century. I'm a retired pastor and I'm a retired uh, marriage and family therapist. I, I'm still licensed. I keep it current, and I, uh, but I am uh, mainly retired and just enjoying, enjoying life, enjoying my grandchildren, um, and my four children, and uh, of course enjoying life with God and and my wife. Um, I also was a youth pastor and, uh, All right. that, yeah, that was, that was, that was a sweet, sweet time. That's beautiful. Thank you, Mike. Uh, something that we like to do at the beginning of every, uh, episode is something we call the precious moment. And, uh, this is just something where, um, you and I both, we just think about something that's made us smile recently, just something that's like sparked joy for you. So, um, I'll give you a moment to think about yours. Um, but for me, this, uh, recently in our home, we had some time, we had some vacation, the kids were off of school and, um, we decided to just do a deep cleaning of our entire house. And we just have like we have three kids, we just had so much stuff and we were able to just kind of do this deep cleanse and like give away so many things. And um, it was just piles and piles. We just had more than we needed and it was just kind of like suffocating us. So yeah. <laughs> we had just we got the time and energy and space to like clear away a bunch of these things, give them away, find spaces for the things that we have and just like the lightness and freedom that we feel and like we can invite people over without having to spend hours trying to push things into piles and closets. Um, that's just something that's that sparked 
joy for me. And I just, yeah, it's just, I wasn't expecting to feel the way I feel about it, but it's, it was pretty, it was pretty powerful. So that's, that's a precious moment for me for sure. So Mike, how about you? What's something that sparked joy for you recently? Well, um, over the holidays being with the grandchildren and so I've got nine grandchildren and the oldest and each one of those kids are just a delight. The oldest one, James, he's six foot three and the center on his basketball team, a freshman (laughs) at Fullerton High School. A freshman at six foot three. Oh my goodness. I know. I know. And he still loves to sit on my lap. And so this Christmas we're together and he comes and he sits on my lap and we snuggle together. And um, you talk about joy. You know, just like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, there's this um, large <laughs> freshman in high school, and <laughs> he still loves his papa like crazy. And I just, uh, mm. yeah, that, that just brings me a lot of joy. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that, Mike. <sighs> well, as we get into this conversation about a heavy topic, about grief and just at the outset, I'll just say I know that the the emotions, the tears are going to be near to the surface for me, for Mike, and, and that's okay. It's a beautiful thing. But uh, as we get started, I just want to read this disclaimer that we say at the beginning of each episode, which is this, that this podcast episode is not a replacement for professional therapy. This podcast is a platform where we will be sharing resources and information that may be useful to the general public. If you need assistance, please call 988. So today we're talking about grief, and let's just start simply um, with what it is. What would we say is grief? How would we define it? What what does it look like? Mike, what would you say to that? Well, certainly loss, you know, and that's something I just, uh, probably my favorite, favorite book, The Topic of Grief. It's a book called A Grace Disguised by Jerry Sitzer. And um, I was reviewing that book this week, knowing that you and I'd be talking. And the big first sentence of chapter two, all people suffer loss. And when I read that, mm. it, it, it still startled me. And mm. it's like, ah, and it's so true. It's such a, we all suffer loss, whether it's losing a, a job, losing our health, losing a loved one you know we all suffer loss and uh, grief is that deep deep emotional pain that we go through as we experience loss yeah everyone experiences loss we were talking even before we started this recording and just saying just the, the burden that we feel for this conversation, knowing what you just mentioned, this the universality of loss, that it's it's going to touch all of our lives. In, in the end, we will lose our own lives. We'll have to grapple with the reality of our mortality. And we experience losses of all kinds. You know, even as you were talking, I was just thinking about the loss of a dream. You know, like maybe there was something we were hoping yeah. for and then it yeah. doesn't happen. You know, we're hoping a relationship will pan out and it doesn't. We're hoping to get accepted to a certain school and we don't get in. You know, we're, we're hoping that a situation goes a certain way and it doesn't. Um, we get 
news about our yeah. own health or the health of somebody that we love and it just it just hits us like a ton of bricks and we're just kind of reeling yeah right? yeah you're right well, uh, in, in the lay counseling class where I met you, that's kind of a bit of our, our backstory, maybe over a decade ago now, um, you were the speaker on grief for this class that my wife and I were taking, just talking about the basics of counseling and dealing with grief. And we talked about this acronym, which is DABDA. And I remember actually a guy in our class, he wrote a song. I couldn't play you the song. I don't know if you remember this, but he wrote a song with uh, because D-A-B-D-A are also chords. And so he wrote a song about grief that was set to the chords D-A-B-D-A. And uh, I'd love to hear that again, <laughs> track that guy down. But um, anyway, <laughs> what is what is the acronym DABDA and, and how does that relate to, to grief and the, maybe the process of grief? Yeah, Kubler-Ross uh, came up with this in her work with dying uh, patients and um, okay, she called it the five stages of grief. And she later said she wished she hadn't used the word stages uh, mm. because you know that sort of some people take that like one, two, three, four, five, done, right? You know, <laughs> sure, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not like that, but it's uh, they are very legitimate phases that we go in and out of. Uh, Dabda he is denial. A, anger, B, bargaining, the next D, depression, and then A, acceptance. And mm. boy, I, I found that denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, oh, that really pretty much described what I went through when I experienced loss. And uh, it, it startled me that, yeah, this is... Uh, this seems to be pretty universal. I've read there's other, you know, some do really good work. Some there seven phases of grief or, you know, there, there's a lot of legitimate ways of looking at this. So it's not a perfect formula, but it pretty well describes the human experience uh, of mm. how we respond, you know, and uh, a lot of people just denial. They go right into that numbing and as if it didn't really happen. Right. Mm. Um, then, of course, anger. <laughs> I think that's a universal uh, reaction to loss. And, you know, bargaining is sort of the if only, if only. Mm. Oh, if only I'd done this. If only I hadn't said that. If only this. If only that. Well, you know, and depression speaks for itself. The inevitable darkness. Mm. And hopefully the acceptance, not the like, oh, well. You know, but um, right. <laughs> but the acceptance, the embracing of reality in all of its uh, the pain and the beauty of reality. Yeah, as you alluded to a bit in there, you mentioned your own experience of grief, and um, that really is the intersection of kind of the the nucleus of our relationship. Um, was you came as a as a pastor, as a therapist, you know, to speak to this class that my wife and I attended many years ago, but it wasn't just kind of the theoretical or the professional, it was the personal for you. And so I wonder if you'd just be willing to share a little bit about kind of your, your grief story 
and perhaps your own yeah experience of the dabdas you know that you just mentioned there yeah. what did what what did that yeah. kind of that walk that journey look like for you yeah. so it was uh, may 7th of 2008 and i was uh it was a wednesday and we had bible study in our home that night you know and i was uh, like max shared uh, a pastor and a therapist and i worked mainly with trauma, uh, with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, and people that have experienced traumatic events. And um, I was preparing a Bible study on Psalm 139 mm-hmm. and around 5 p.m. So my wife was late from getting home from work, uh, but I'd heard there was a traffic jam on the bypass, the way she'd be coming home. I, there was a knock at the door and when I went to door, it was looked like two policemen. It turns out it was a policeman and a chaplain. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was two policemen. And I looked at him and sort of like uh, befuddled, like, why are you here? And they wanted to know if they could come in. And I said, of course. And they came in. And the chaplain, I dressed in, looked like a policeman's uniform started talking and he said there was a accident on the bypass and uh, your wife was in it and my everything went numb at that point and it, and then he with it felt like he didn't even pause it felt like he went right into the very next sentence and she didn't make it mm-hmm. and when he said that everything literally I like I couldn't hear anything I couldn't feel anything except like a thick wall of pressure and I stumbled back into the couch and I sat down I looked our two dogs were dancing because they were happy there were visitors and I was sort of puzzled like how how can they be happy and I looked up at the chaplain. I said, would you tell me what you just told me? And he told me again that my wife had been in an accident and she didn't make it. And I looked around. And then I looked back at him and I asked him to tell me again, what did you just tell me? And he told me again. That was the most devastating moment of my life. You know, and both the chaplain and the policeman were so kind. But, um, you know, I, I, I said, you know, I've got to, after a couple minutes, I said, I've got to call my children, my adult children, and tell them what happened. And the chaplain offered to make the call. I thanked him, but I said, no, I, I need to do that. And so then I called each child, and that I would pause with each kid. I, I, told them that their mom had been in an accident coming home you know she was a school teacher worked with severely multiply handicapped kids junior high age probably 18 month old functioning Mm. but she i mean seeing her work with those kids she was boy it was like first time i saw her teaching max i was sitting in the uh, teaching uh, the handicapped kids um, I, I was just overwhelmed, and she said afterwards, she said, "Were, were you tearing up?" 
And I said, I was. And she was like, can you explain why? And I said, <laughs> I said, it was like, I literally felt like I was watching Jesus love these children. This, it was like, this is how it's supposed to be. The way you love those children, this is how it's supposed to be. She, she was an amazing woman. She was an amazing mom, a wonderful wife. Just one week before that, Max, I'd been, I just, I'd a month earlier had my seventh and final back surgery, and we are celebrating. Mm -hmm. Looked like I, I had turned the corner and there was health up ahead. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I remember I was shaving and looking in the mirror and just feeling so good. And I was thinking, I mm -hmm. wonder how much longer Lisa and I have together. And I was saying, okay, we've been married 33 years. I bet, okay, and we're almost 60. Like we were, she was just days from her 60th birthday. And I was thinking, okay, we're almost 60. In 33 more years, we'd be 93. Yeah, we'll make it to 93. So we're <laughs> we're only halfway through this. And so I didn't rem wow. distinctly remember that moment in time, feeling so grateful, so overwhelmed with love for my wife, grateful for our four kids. And, you know, life was good. And I was only, we were only halfway through this thing. We had 33 more years. That was, <laughs> that was one week before May 7th. Um, I made those calls. I would pause with each kid right before I told them, you know, I told them she was accident. Before I could say she didn't make it, I paused. It was it was a weird thing, but it was like I wanted to give them just one more second of hope. That I, I, it's a weird thing, but it was that yeah. it was just I I just found myself pausing. I just and also just the pain of saying those words. Um, I was surrounded by friends. The you know people from the Bible study showed up. The policemen were still there. You know, they would tell them what had happened before they came in. Pretty soon that house, you know, and word got around and the house just filled up with well-wishers. And we were carried by a loving community, but it was the roughest time ever. And um, like I shared with you before we started talking, you know, just knowing that we were going to be talking about this, and going through the holidays, uh, you know, grief comes up, you know, and there's still sort of a deep sense of loss. There's also a deep, deep sense of love and gratefulness. Mm -hmm. um, I was, um, you know, I mentioned I was a trauma therapist. And uh, I, when I first got into being a therapist back in the early, late night, 80s, early 90s, I was... I was saying, you know, I'm I'm a nice Christian guy, got my <laughs> master's, and I'm working on getting my license as a therapist. And, you know, I'm going to be a nice Christian guy helping nice Christian people have nice marriages, <laughs> have nice marriages. And um, what happened was real people with real problems came into my office. <laughs> and uh, I had to go back for a lot of training. And I mean, I had some clients with severe problems of severe abuse, and I got 
years of specialized training in dealing with traumatic loss. And um, when when I lost my wife, I, I, I knew one thing. I knew I needed help. Mm. And um, I, I knew a lot of good therapists. And so I, I, you know, went to the best trauma therapist I knew. And, and I'd go see her once a week for two years. I went to see her. And it was, wow. it, it was incredible time of just really leaning into my pain and working my way through this. I went to two different support groups. The first one was a hospice, run by hospice. And mm. uh, I can remember the first night in that group, it was like nobody wanted to be there. I didn't want to be there. I mean, <laughs> and we were all sure. there. We were all there and the therapists hadn't arrived yet. And we're all there and nobody is saying anything feel the loss and pain in the room because everybody was freshly in their grief. You know, it had just been a month or so since my loss and that's pretty similar to what everybody was facing in that room. And Wow. Oh, it was. The therapist finally showed up and by the end of the night it felt like everybody in the room was my best friend. It was just, it was amazing, the transformation, you know, and we met for eight weeks. Then I joined a group that went on for a couple of months at Golden Hills Support Group. And uh, that too was amazing. But I needed, I needed it all. You know, I wasn't like, oh, I'm a therapist, I'm a pastor, I know how to handle this. <laughs> it was like, uh, no, no, I, yeah. I need help. I need, I need all the help you can give me. Sign me up for everything, because boy, I mean, I needed help. I really did, and it felt so good to let myself be weak. Mm. And I truly felt God's love. I felt like tethered to Him. That that's how, and that gave me the freedom to lean into this pain and work through it. Yeah, I wonder if you could maybe lean into that a bit, because a lot of times maybe people with, you know, dealing with grief, dealing with unexpected loss, um, and we're talking right from a faith perspective, that can, you know, shake our faith. You know, God, why have you allowed this? Right. You know, like you were describing this, your wife, her incredible work with, you know, disabled middle schoolers, you know, this amazing wife, this amazing person. And one day there's a policeman and a chaplain at your door. And God, what is my connection with you like in the face of this catastrophic loss? You know, so what, what did that feel like? What was that journey for you of like your walk with God, right? Being a pastor, being a person of faith and experiencing this, this loss that you did. It was like, I didn't want any religious make nice. I didn't want, I I, I wanted (laughs) real. I wanted mm. what was real. And uh, that's the beautiful thing about Jesus. He is real. And mm. boy, did he show up and I, over and over again. And, you know, my mornings, I would uh, spend some time going, you know, in his word and spend quite a bit of time 
writing in my journal, and my journals were just prayers to him, just pouring it out. And I, you know, I mentioned this book, A Grace Disguised, you know, going back through this book. I had used this book as a pastor, mm. you know, because, you know, inevitably you're going to be doing funerals as a pastor. And uh, sure. I had used this book and uh, trying to help people through grief. When somebody gave me this book after Lisa's death, I, I was so in a fog. I looked at this book. And at first, I was like, why would I need a book like this, you know? And <laughs> then somebody else gave me the same book. So I had two. And so <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I think you want me to read this book. And then I was in about chapter three, and I was like, wait a minute. I've, I've read this book for, before. I've even <laughs> used it before. Oh, my gosh. So in, okay, in uh, like the third or fourth chapter, he talks about, so he's a in a car wreck, his wife, mom, and one of his daughters was killed. Mm. And he describes the pain he went through. And and he makes a good point. He says, you know, don't compare. People will say, oh, boy, nobody's lost as much as you. And he's like, you know what? We, we just can't compare loss. Your loss is your loss. Mm. You know, whatever you're going through, you're word. going through. And that is your loss and do not minimize your loss. And that's a great point. But he talks about a dream he had. This this is very significant to me, for me. He, yeah. um, this is just weeks after the accident. Boy, he was, he was in the depths of dark feelings. And so he had this dream and in the dream there was a, the sun was setting and the sun represented hope. And he mm. was running west towards the horizon in his own effort to keep the sun from setting. Mm -hmm. So if he could run fast enough west, he could keep the sun from setting. Right. Well, of course, the sun outran him and it sank below the horizon. Mm -hmm. And in his and then in his dream he turned back over his shoulder and looked east and here came the darkness mm -hmm. approaching him and he just fell to the ground in the darkness wow. uh, his cousin and his sister both of them sort of helped him process this dream and he said he came to realize the quickest way to find the warmth of the sun again is to not keep running west in that with that vain hope of keeping it from setting but to walk east mm -hmm. into the darkness mm -hmm. to lean wow. into the darkness and you know Literally, if you're walking east around the globe, yeah, you are going to hasten the rising of the sun. Yeah. It's yeah. paradoxical. And that really resonated with my soul mm. to lean into the pain on purpose. And like I mentioned, being tethered, I felt God's connection and his love, not in a, it just in a very real way. Like I mentioned, not religious, make nice, patty cake, you know. <laughs> sure. Slap, slap a happy verse yeah. here and there. No, real. Yes. I really felt him holding me mm. and allowing me to lean into my pain. And I would sob and cry and uh, write in my journal. And I, I felt God's presence the whole time. It would just, 
and had a lot of help from friends. And like I mentioned to you about, you know, going to therapy and uh, and and to grief groups, but on purpose leaning into the loss and how much I love Lisa and how much I miss her. And on, and on purpose listening to some of her favorite Christian songs, you know, and listening to those and weeping, you know. Mm. Uh, <laughs> You know, in the Psalms, it says, uh, weep for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Sort of like, you know, the darkness comes, but the sun will rise again. Sort of like Sitzer's dream, you know. Um, So a big part of my journey was this purposefully leaning into vain. I also knew I needed to take care of myself. So I would go to the gym and work out, even though I didn't feel like it. I would do normal things to try and take care of myself. Um, I was driving home from the gym. It was about a month after Lisa's death. And as I'm driving, I was praying to the Lord. And I said out loud, "Um, I I don't know exactly how this works, Lord, but can I talk to her? And Mm -hmm. can I talk to Lisa? And okay. And if I can't talk to her, could you at least get her this message? And when I said that, Mm. I knew that I knew that I knew that he was letting me talk to her right here, right now. And that the next words out of my mouth, she was listening. Wow. I got one syllable out of my mouth. It was was the first (laughs) syllable of her name, Lisa. I, I said, me, and I just burst into tears because I could feel her. I mean, I could literally physically feel her and I knew she was listening to me. What a gift. So I said, Lee, and I lost it. I started crying so hard. I had to pull off the road because I I could could not see and I was driving a vehicle. (laughs) Um, So I pulled off the road and just sobbed and it felt so good. Mm. It felt... And later, it was maybe a week after that, I was having lunch with Larry Adams, the pastor of Golden Hills. And I, I told him that experience. And I said, you know, I, I don't even know <laughs> theologically how this fits, you know. But I was, and he said, well, Mike, truth is she's more alive than we are. <laughs> you know, and I, I really was like, wow. he was like, so yeah, I, that makes sense. You know the scriptures say, and uh, I was in Isaiah, and it was a prophecy about Jesus that he was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted mm. with grief. Wow. That's Jesus, a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. Boy, he has a heart, you know. And remember at Lazarus's funeral, and he seeing Mary weep, and he's seeing her friends weep. And it says that Jesus was deeply moved and troubled. In that beautiful short verse, Jesus wept. You know, that's our Jesus. And I I just felt, I literally, honestly felt him Mm. right there with me in me, helping me to express my sorrow. And it was sloppy and... The Psalms are sloppy. And I I remember when I was a brand new Christian, I'd read the Psalms. I'd like, what the <laughs> heck are these doing in the Bible? You know, they're, they're like messy. 
you know, ooh, it's almost, he's almost cussing. You know, there's just raw, raw emotion and disappointment. And, uh, but it was, it's in the Bible. And it's like God's encouraging us to say mm-hmm. how we really feel and to lean into it. And when we do that, something beautiful happens. And that was really the, my journey was God helping me. Anyway, it was, it was a sloppy, messy journey. Sometimes I'd be so angry, you know, dabda, that anger part. I can remember being puzzled by my anger. Like, what the heck is wrong with me? And I'd be so, I mean, I'd be driving angry. I'd be cussing at the drivers. I'd be, you know, a pastor, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, I was like, I was coming apart at the seams. I was just mm. furious. And then I remember driving to therapy, and I'm like, how the blankety blank is this going to help? I already know what <laughs> she's going to say. How's that How's that going to help? Driving back after that session, like, oh, Lord, you are so awesome. That was mm. so powerful. Yeah, And this, it's like, okay, you would think a pastor and a therapist would sort of know what's going on. I, I had no clue sometimes, no clue what was going on. But going in and letting myself be weak and just crying it out and talking it out and having a helpful friend help me through it, wow. That that was so powerful. And, and really, whether it's a therapist or a pastor or a helpful friend, that that's it's such a big deal to be able to share with somebody. Yeah. You know. Amen. Yeah. You know, in that book, which I treasure as well, it was assigned in the class of Grace Disguised, um, Jerry Sitzer, he makes this really powerful assertion, and he talks about how our souls can be enlarged or deepened through grief, through grief and loss. And I think sometimes for us experiencing grief and loss, the the fear is that we'll be diminished. You know, just like in that dream you were saying of the the sun setting and being in you know enveloped by the darkness that the the sun's not going to the sun is gone. There's no sun. There's no there's no hope anymore. You know, whatever it was that I was longing or wanting, it's gone now. You know, and um, and it's never going to come back, right? And so. I think the right. the fear that I've I've felt, you know, in grief, you know, and 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 you have as well is just um will I ever be the same? You know, what will I ever get back to the joy that I had? And I remember reading in that book, you know, that our souls can be deep and they can grow through grief and loss. Correct. You know, I just that blew me away. And um, you know, reading That's that so is that good. something that that you've, I feel like you're describing that in what you've said, but what was that your experience? Did you feel like, you know, and in, in the midst of it all and choosing to walk east instead of chasing the sun, you know, leaning into the darkness? Because I think sometimes we can be afraid to just like embrace the darkness. Maybe it's going to overwhelm us. Maybe there's, maybe there's no new day coming. So, you know, I'm just going to collapse right. in a heap here. But, you know, th- there could be this new dawn where, I could be more instead of less, you know, that just seems so profound. You know, what, what do you think of that? That is so well said, Max. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Uh, You know, there's this paradoxical thing about Christianity. You know, Paul, 
uh, in Second Corinthians when he declares his utter desperate powerlessness. That's when he becomes strong. He bumps into a problem and prays three times and he's stuck in this horrible situation, whatever it was. And at that point, he pulls up the white flag and declares his absolute powerlessness. Just like you described, I felt my heart enlarged by loss. I feel much greater capacity to love a greater capacity to just be with people. Um, you know, that Hebrew ritual they'd have a- after a loss, they called it sitting Shiva, that friends would come and just sit with their friend who had experienced loss. And they would just sit with them and be with them. And they just how powerful that was just to be with people. And we don't have to provide answers or, you know, just to be there for me you know just like like I shared about how when I my sort of naive view of what it meant to be a nice Christian therapist <laughs> sure <laughs> um, no it was people's pain that God took me to school <laughs> this school was called planet earth with real people that he loves mm. and yes and there's a heck of a lot of pain on this planet a whole lot of pain. By God's grace, I was able to let myself feel the full force of the pain of losing Lisa. That really helps me, helped me and helps me be connected to her and loving her. And, you know, four and a half years after her death, I got remarried to her best friend, wow. Marion, who the kids, she Marion had always been in the kids' life, and they always called her auntie. Mm. And um, Marion lost her husband just six months before Lisa's death. Wow. And I never saw it coming. I wouldn't have predicted that. But... You know, four and a half years later, we got married and we're in love. And the beautiful thing, she's, she, Lisa was her best friend and she mourns Lisa as well. And, and, uh, you described it as loss can actually cause us to grow, can actually cause our hearts to grow. And, and, and I think that's literally true. And if I had, you know, one of the temptations would be to, you know, numb out, start drinking or mm. uh, get into this activity or that activity or just do more, the, you know, even do more church, go to more church meetings and fill yourself up with churchy activity or do this or that or yeah. be so busy that you don't think about it. That's not your heart's shrinking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I remember hearing a, a saying, uh, when my heart no longer burns with love, there'll be others around me dying of the cold. Hmm. And this is a cold planet. There's a lot of people that need God's love. Hmm. And I didn't choose grief. And grief chose me. 
loss chose me. But boy, I'm I'm very grateful that God gave me the to walk through it and to lean into the the pain because I feel like it's really opened my heart to pain and suffering in this world and helps me to be uh, warmer towards people and their loss and more open-hearted. And that and that's not always easy. It's still, you know, I just lost a friend a week ago. Mm, wow. And I was talking, he called me on Christmas Eve. And, oh, it was hard talking because I we both knew he was dying. And you could just hear it. And it, I was like, oh, this is so hard. I mean, it doesn't get easy. It is hard. Mm. But it's so, so good to be able to to be with people and to uh, walk with them in their pain. And, and again, we don't have to have the answers, but it, it's good. It's good to have a heart. And, you know, maybe our greatest asset, Max, is a broken heart. Mm. Yeah. You know, and, and, and an enlarged heart. Yes. Well, uh, this podcast episode is not a replacement for professional therapy. This podcast is a platform where we will be sharing resources and information that may be useful to the general public. If you need immediate assistance, please call 988. Well, I want to say a huge thank you to our guest today for helping us to engage with these really important, these really vulnerable topics. And I know I myself personally and those who are listening were just deeply blessed by your willingness to share the beauty and pain all mixed together in your loss and how God has been with you through it all. So, Mike, thank you so much. Thank you, Max. Um, thank you a lot. And thanks to you for listening. We hope that you found today's conversation helpful and hope to catch you again soon. If today's episode raised questions for you, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at praxispodcast at threecrosses.org. Once again, thank you for listening. This is the Praxis Podcast. Have a great day.